Okay, guys. Um, do we have any college football fans? College football fans? A few? No? Wow. Okay. I'm going to tell a story about college football. Hopefully you know what football is. We're going to go from there. Um, <laughs> the Red River Showdown is this annual football game that pits longtime rival schools, Oklahoma and Texas, against one another. They first played this game uh, in the year 1900, actually, and they've played a total of 117 times since then. Uh, at the 1999 Red River Showdown, the Texas was heavily favored to win, but in a stunning first quarter surprise, OU came out with a 17 to nothing lead. How did this happen? Nobody could understand it. Well, here's what was happening behind the scenes. Uh, the OU defensive coordinator was a guy named Mike Leach, and Mike Leach hatched this plan to throw off his rival team. He created a false play script, which was then conveniently lost by one of the OU players right in front of the coaching team for Texas. Texas ran with the opportunity, of course. Uh, they picked it up, they got it to the box, they frantically studied the script, and they made major adjustments to their defensive strategy. But instead of this giving them the leg up on their rivals that they thought it was going to give them, they repeatedly found themselves in the wrong place at the wrong time, and Oklahoma scored 17 unanswered points in the first 11 minutes of the game. Finally, the Texas defensive coordinator looks around, and he determines this has got to be a fake. It's a false play script designed to deceive and distract their team in this game. So he threw it away, and he called on his team to remember who they are and to lean into that and play the game the way they always do. Now, as a result, Texas came back to win that game 38 to 28. It was their biggest comeback in 34 years. Why are we talking about college football this morning? <laughs> it's because I think this story illustrates a little bit of the bad news and good news that we're going to talk about today. Because the bad news is that we often can be distracted and deceived by the evil at work in our world. But the good news is that when I remember that evil is ultimately defeated, I can reclaim the confidence I need to win my battles today. I am strong when I allow God's power to work in and through me. Now, I know we have some Oklahoma people here, so before the OU fans come for me, I am not saying that Oklahoma is evil here. I went to Mizzou, so like we lose to both these teams. I don't have a dog in the fight. Um, but I think what this illustrates is that like this Texas team in the 99 showdown, there were times in all of our lives where we find ourselves fed a false script and we're deceived and distracted by the evil that's at work in the world. We forget who we really are. And I think this must have happened to the early Jesus followers too, because as we're wrapping up this series in the, in the book of Ephesians, we find Paul encouraging the church in Ephesus to find their strength in who they really are in Jesus. So that when they face the inevitable battles in life, they can allow God's power to fight for and through them. And I think Paul's encouragement to the early Christ followers in his day is just as relevant to us today. Because we're all facing battles in life, right? I think we've all probably heard some version of this quote from the Scottish theologian Ian McLaren. He said, be kind for everyone you meet. Everyone is fighting a hard battle. That's so true, isn't it? If my experience uh, as a pastor the last few years uh, has shown me anything, it would be the truth in that statement. And if I'm honest, there are people in our church, there are people in this room right now who I probably couldn't even make eye contact with right now 
because I know the battles that you're facing. And I've been praying for you, and my heart is broken for you. And I know that if I looked in your direction right now, we'd probably both just dissolve into a puddle of tears, and I still have to finish this message, so I really can't do that right now. It's probably safest if I just stare at the ceiling. But the truth is, I think most of us know that we're fighting battles. We know that we're in a battle most days. We just don't recognize that it's often a spiritual one. We face all kinds of battles in our daily life, from the the little stuff to the big stuff. And some of us, we find ourselves in battles against other people. Maybe it's a coworker who just seems like they are out to get you, or that neighbor who drives you crazy. Or maybe it's a teenager who fights you about everything (laughs) at every turn, or a friend who said something and really wounded you with their words. And then there are others of us who are in a battle with the age-old temptation of sin. Like, we've got all of our rationalizations and our justifications, but ultimately, we know it's wrong, but we just keep giving in to the same stuff over and over again. And then others of us are battling circumstances in life. Maybe you're facing financial challenges or unexpected diagnoses, stressful situations that we didn't choose and we didn't even see coming. And then others of us may be battling powerful addictions. Whatever those battles are, when we're faced with these kinds of battles, our temptation is to focus on the opposition. We want to focus on the things, the people, and the circumstances that seem to be fighting against us. But when we do that, we're narrowing our focus to a false script. We're forgetting who we really are. See, this is the way that we're deceived and distracted by the evil that's at work in our world. But when I remember that evil is ultimately defeated, I can reclaim the confidence I need to fight my battles today. I am strong when I allow God's power to fight for me and through me. Now, we're in the final chapter of Ephesians today, Ephesians 6, and Paul is encouraging all of us, when we're faced with tough battles and the reality of evil in the world, to reorient ourselves to the truth of who we are and find our identity and our strength by surrendering to God's power. Not by fighting on our own power, but surrendering to God's power to fight the battle for us and through us. And I think there are some mistakes that we really often make when we're in these situations and and we're focusing on a false script instead of focusing on the truth of our identity in Jesus. So we're gonna take a look at three of those. And the first is this. We tend to fight in our own power. I think this one is one I I really easily fall prey to. I know that when I'm facing some kind of battle, like I typically have the attitude that, you know, I'm super independent. I've got this. I can do this on my own. I can fix the relationship. I can stop the habit. I can turn this around. I, on my own. But look at what Paul says in verse 10. He says, finally be strengthened by the Lord and his powerful strength. I think so often we try to fight our battles ourselves. We just want to grit our teeth and lean into our own willpower and determination. But this kind of try-harder approach, it never works for us long-term. If you've been in our Get Real groups, we talk about this all the time. Trying harder just wears us out trying to fight battles that God has already won. And what Paul's reminding us of here is that God has a powerful strength. So whatever we're facing, no matter how overwhelming it is, God is present and at work. And he cares more about these things than we ever could. And he is so much stronger than any of us could ever hope to be. 
So our invitation here is not to fight on our own strength, but to surrender to his power and his love and allow him to equip us with the strength that we need to face the battles that are before us. Let's take a look at this quote from theologian Peter O'Brien. He reminds us that Christ's triumph over the powers has already occurred. So believers no longer have to live in fear of them. But the fruits of that victory have not yet been fully realized. So Christians must be aware of the conflict and be equipped with divine power to stand against them. We can be deceived and distracted by the evil at work in our world. But when I remember that evil is ultimately defeated, I reclaim the confidence I need to win my battles today. I am strong when I allow God's power to fight for me and through me. Now, the second mistake that we make is that we, we want to fight the wrong enemy so much of the time. Paul clarifies exactly who our enemy actually is in, in the next two verses. He says, put on God's armor so that you can make a stand against the tricks of the devil. We aren't fighting against human enemies, but against rulers, authority, forces of cosmic darkness, and spiritual powers of evil in the heavens. I think so many times when we're in the middle of these battles, it's really hard to remember that our fight isn't like that rude cashier at the store or the friend or the family member that disappointed us again or the unreasonable demanding boss. I'm not talking about my boss. My bosses are great. I won the lottery. <laughs> my battles this week have been more like a van that broke down and had to be towed in the thick layer of pollen that's like covering everything. I think some of you probably identify. But when we ignore that there is a spiritual battle that happens all around us, we so easily fall prey to these false play scripts. And we start to battle the flesh and blood people around us. I think this is probably one of the most effective strategies that the enemy uses to deceive and distract us. You know, one of my favorite authors of all time is C.S. Lewis. And um, most people have probably uh, heard of or read the Narnia books, of course. Uh, but Lewis also wrote several theology books, and he often used this imaginative creativity that we see in his fantasy fiction uh, to relay complex theological concepts in unique and clever ways. And one of the uh, most famous examples of this is a book called The Screwtape Letters. Uh, in this book, it's written as a series of letters between Screwtape, who's like a senior demon, and his nephew named Wormwood, who's like a junior devil. And Screwtape is instructing Wormwood on how he can cause the human that he's been assigned to, uh, who they refer to as the patient in this, to commit these sins and condemn himself. And the main strategy that, that flows throughout this book that he recommends to this junior devil is to just distract him. Don't try to win him over or convince him to embrace evil. Just keep his attention somewhere else. Keep it focused on somebody else, a different enemy. Check out this quote. He says, when two humans have lived together for many years, it usually happens that each has tones of voice and expressions of face, which are almost unendurably irritating to the other. <laughs> Work on that. <laughs> Bring fully into the consciousness of your patient that particular lift of his mother's eyebrows, which he learned to dislike in the nursery, and let him think how much he dislikes it. Let him assume that she knows how annoying it is and does it to annoy. If you know your job, he will not notice the immense improbability of the assumption. And of course, never let him suspect that he has tones and looks which similarly annoy her. 
As he cannot see or hear himself, this is easily managed. (laughs) This book is so humorous, but it's so true. So often we take our eyes off of the real enemy when somebody upsets us or wrongs us or offends us. It could be a close friend or a family member or a a bitter rival in some way. But far too often we find ourselves focused on the false script in front of us instead of the truth of who God is and who we are in him. And we fight the wrong enemy because of it. This is one of the ways that we're deceived and distracted by the evil at work in the world. But when I remember that evil is ultimately defeated, I can reclaim the confidence in who I am and who God is so that I can win my battles today. I am strong when I allow God's power, not mine, to fight for me and through me. And the third and final mistake we want to talk about that we tend to make is that we fight with the wrong tactics. We just fight with the wrong tactics. I want to ask you this. How do you typically respond in life when somebody really wrongs you? We usually kind of want to return the favor, right? (laughs) We want to get even. We want to see this evened out. We want it to be fair. Sometimes we want to take that into our own hands. We want to go on the offensive. But as we continue on in this passage of Ephesians, we're going to get to a really uh, pretty famous passage of scripture uh, where we talk about the armor of God. And I've read this countless times. I grew up in Sunday school hearing about it. But one of the things I've never noticed about it is how the weapons and postures that Paul outlines are not primarily offensive weapons. He primarily talks about defensive weapons. Take a look. Therefore, pick up the full armor of God so that you can stand your ground on the evil day and after you've done everything possible to still stand. So stand with the belt of truth around your waist, justice as your breastplate, and put shoes on your feet so that you're ready to spread the good news of peace. Above all, carry the shield of faith so that you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is God's word. The command that Paul gives us here is to stand our ground. I think our natural fighting response is that we want to go on the offensive. We want to get revenge. But God is asking us to play defense by rejecting the false scripts that are in front of us and embracing the truth of who God is and who we are. We can rest in him. He has all the strength that we need. And in him, we have all we need too. It's God who will fight. And it's already won the battle. Our job is simply to say yes to him and allow him to equip us with what we need to stand our ground with whatever we're facing. Now, while we see Paul instruct us to take on this defensive posture, he does end this part of the letter by pointing out what should be our go-to offensive maneuver uh, for all of God's people. He says this, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Prayer. Prayer is our go-to battle tactic. I think uh, if some of you remember uh, back at the beginning of April, um, Brian did a message about prayer that resonated with so many of us. Um, And I think part of that was because he, uh, he reminded us that prayer is so important because it changes us. It helps us reorient ourselves around the truth of who we are in God's kingdom. If you didn't get a chance to watch that, I really want to encourage you to go back in the archives and do so. When we pray, It changes us. It helps us remember what's most important. And it helps us orient ourselves to the truth of God's God's kingdom. Because we can so easily be deceived and distracted by the evil that's at work in our world. 
It's around us and it happens all the time. But when I pray, I find myself remembering that evil has already been defeated. And that helps me take a breath and move beyond the false scripts that are in front of me, reclaim the confidence I need to face the battles before me. I'm strong when I allow God's power to fight for me and through me. Now, I mentioned this earlier, um, but man, so many people that I care about right now have been facing really hard things this year. And not like just the natural consequences of poor decisions, which are hard enough on their own, but like just awful, unfair things that have happened to them. And it just feels so confusing and often evil. And I often feel super helpless when I just want to fix it or fight it or protect them in some way, and I can't. But lately, I'm finding that God's inviting me to reorient my prayers for them around this kind of good news, to remember that not only is he present and at work, and he cares way more than I do about their hearts and their situation, but ultimately, the battle for their hearts has already been won, and he offers them all they need right now. So instead of me needing, feeling all this angst about what I can't control or change, I'm beginning to see and open my eyes to the ways that God has already equipped these people to be able to have the strength to stand their ground in this messy reality of some of the battles that they're facing. If it's true that everyone that we meet is fighting a hard battle, then what about you? What areas of your life feel like a battle right now? Are there places where you find yourself being distracted by a false script and it's kept you from leaning into the truth of who you really are in Christ? If that's you, then I want to remind you that yes, it's easy to be distracted and deceived by the evil that's at work in our world. But you need to remember that evil is ultimately defeated and you can reclaim the confidence you need to fight and win your battles today. You are strong when you allow God's power to fight for you and through you. Now, this is week five. This is our final message in this uh, I Am series. And what I want us to do is close this series by observing communion together. And I think communion is kind of a beautiful way for us to respond, not only to the good news we're talking about today, but the good news we've heard this whole series. Um, because... I think communion uh, kind of represents these five truths that we've heard about who we are in Jesus. Um, the, the bread and the juice, when we take those, they represent Jesus's body and his blood. And it reminds us that we are God's masterpiece, that we're so deeply loved and treasured that he was willing to lay down his life for us. And communion is a practice that Christians have been observing together since the very first disciple. So when we partake in communion, it reminds us that we're part of God's family. And then uh, communion is something that we practice regularly. We do this repeatedly, over and over. And each time we have a chance to repeat this practice, it invites us to slow down and to remember what God has already done and his faithfulness and to say yes again to what he wants to do in and through us, now and in the future. So in that way, it reminds us of what we talked about a few weeks ago, that we're all a work in progress. It's also a reminder that we are now the incarnational presence of Jesus in our world. We are the body 
We're gifted for good. We're gifted for the good of each other and for the world. And when we exercise our gifts in community together, we become the tangible source of God's love that changes our world. And finally, communion reminds us that with his very body and blood, Jesus already fought and won the ultimate battle. And by remembering who and whose we are, we can stand our ground in the battles we're facing, confident that in God's power, I am strong against evil. So I'm going to invite you uh, here in a few moments to actually come to uh, the communion table. We have it set out in four different spots here. Um, and then you can take those, you can grab a, a cup, take those back to your seats, and we'll give you a moment to just, you know, sit and reflect on some of these identity truths we've been talking about and pray about that. And then when you're ready, go ahead and take the elements on your own. I know we haven't had much of a chance to do communion in this way the last couple of years, uh, but I think it can be a really powerful reminder for us sometimes when we actually physically walk forward. It's like an embodied demonstration of our desire to step into the truth of who we really are in Christ. So I'm going to pray real quickly over these elements, and then I'm going to invite you guys to come, take a few moments to reflect, and then take communion on your own, and then I'll come back, okay? Father, we thank you that who you say we are is the truest thing about us, and that we can trust uh, that those things are true, that we can rest in the truth that we already have everything we need. As we take these elements, I pray that we would hear from you, that we would hear truth about who we are and who you are, and that we would rest in that truth and say yes to you again. In your name, amen.
wrapping up, um, I don't know what battles everybody here may be facing, but I know that God does. He knows, and he sees, and he cares. Um, and we were reminded in this passage of Ephesians uh, that one of the best things that we can do when we're facing any sort of battle or when the people around us are is to pray. Let's pray for our, our own battles, pray for the battles of those around us. So I want us to take a moment to practice that before we leave. Um, if you would, just kind of like, it won't be creepy at all. Just take a look around you at the people that are around you. <laughs> maybe uh, you don't know their names, maybe you do. Um, but just kind of make a middle note of who's sitting near you right now. And I'm going to give you a few moments to just pray for whatever battles they may be facing. Maybe you know what they are, maybe you don't, but God does. Can we do that real quick? Father, we know um, that it can be so easy for us sometimes to be deceived and distracted uh, by the things that are going on around us and the battles that we're facing. I pray that this week that you would help us to lean into the truth that you have already fought and won the ultimate battle, that you love us, that you are present with us wherever we are, and that you're for our good. You care more about these things that we're facing than we ever could. I want to pray for the battles that uh, the people in this room are facing, the people watching online. Um, you know all of those. And I pray that this week they would be able to open their eyes and their hearts and their ears to see and hear the ways that you're already providing for them. That they would surrender and say yes to you over and over again so that you can strengthen them to stand their ground and to experience your love and the, your provision no matter what they're facing. I pray that we would be the kind of people that surround each other when we're facing battles, to pray for each other, uh, to stand strong in numbers, and uh, to support each other. Thank you for the opportunity to hear from you today and to pray for each other. In your name, amen.